Today we spoke with Bree from Bloom Precision Aesthetics. She's so sweet. So sweet. So nice. And soft-spoken. Yes. Just so, just so sweet. Like, I just can't even describe her any differently. I know. I love her story. And I was, I was curious coming into today, like, how you get into aesthetics and what type, like... There's so much stigma behind people going to get work done on their face. Do you think so? I do. I do think so. And um, I I mean, it just depends on who you're around and what they say. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think there's a lot of stigma behind it. It may be my own self-inflicted concern about trying to get stuff done for myself. Right. Feeling conflicted about getting stuff done. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And um, so it was great to just see somebody in the field and see how transparent she is with her clients. And um, yeah, it was just some great conversation. And she's a PA. So she's super smart. Mm -hmm. She's very knowledgeable. And from personal experience, I can say that she explains things very well. And she even asked you like, do you want me to explain what I'm doing and how this is all working? Or do you just want me to start doing? And I thought that was really valuable because I'm sure there are people who are like, just do like, I Mm -hmm. can't pay attention and focus on what you're saying to me right now, but I wanted to know. Um, and I just had a really great experience with her. I met her at the soiree in Pinehurst that Mm -hmm. Bloom puts on, which was so fun Mm -hmm. over the summer, maybe. I think so, because I was out of town. Yeah. Yeah. And I met her at the Village Wine Shop out on the patio and just was very (laughs) transparent. Can you look at my lips? Hey, can you look at my lips really quick? (laughs) (laughs) I'd like a consult here in the wine shop, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I went to see her and... There are just little things that they put in place that are really client focused, like uh, being able to text for an appointment, Mm -hmm. which I feel like is so extremely handy. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm thinking about scheduling an appointment. I don't have to pick up the phone and call. I can just send a text and they'll get back to me with appointment times. And you're texting a real person. It's not like a robot or I guess we don't really call them that anymore. Like AI. It's not AI. Yeah. Yeah. No, that it's definitely great to have the personal touch. What I really admired about her is she mentioned that it's only two years old mm-hmm. and how much like knowledge that she has. Not not in just like we run our business, da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. not just business knowledge, but like wisdom is the word. How yeah. much wisdom she already has of where she's been and where she's going. And that was really inspiring. Well, she's clearly very hungry mm-hmm. to learn and grow and get that knowledge. And she talks about some business conferences that she went to books she's read just nonchalantly right yeah and business she's had coach coaches I'm yep. like yes no wonder you're here in two years because you have sought out the resources that are going to allow you to put those things in place to get you to this point right. that makes a lot of sense right she's investing in her business not monetarily but in herself well, probably monetarily monetar- too. yeah because these business conferences aren't <laughs> Right. They're not cheap. cheap. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't go to one until this past year. That was the first one I went to and it was so helpful. And I'm like, man, if I would have known this stuff, you know, seven years ago, it would have been life changing. So the fact she's doing that now is great. Absolutely. Yeah. It was a fun conversation and, uh, just hearing about her journey with her husband. I mean, it's just, it's such a great story. So we need to call him. (laughs) I want to hear his voice. We love our accents. We do. Yeah. A South Especially African. South African accent. That's all I can say. 
it's, it gets a little that Australian. Australian. <laughs> we'll just South, South African. Okay. <laughs> Enjoy Brie. <laughs> Brie. Just Brie. Enjoy Brie. Forget we ever talked about that. I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's the, the Boss. boss. Well, welcome. Thanks. We're glad that you're here. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. We're glad that you got some sustenance before you came <laughs> Thank in. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just really appreciate being fed. <laughs> yeah. We were downstairs and we usually, you know, hang out for a few minutes before we come upstairs and we get coffee and water and mimosas, take picture, whatever. And you were sharing about your... Yeah. About my bulletproof yeah. coffee and how you have to have calories with your coffee or right. else you'll be like flight or fight response yeah yeah brianna's like and i learned so quickly (laughs) (laughs) that makes so much sense she's like so i think i should eat something before we go up yeah (laughs) what you want girl we got yogurt we got cheese i have hard-boiled eggs yeah so yeah we learn something new every day right it's good which is why we're here yeah right because it's been a long a long hard journey for you not long Yes. Do we say yeah. Bri- Brianna or Brianna? Ooh. I'm fine with either one. Most people Brie just because I think it's uh, half my family says one, half says the other. So What is it supposed to be? I think my mom says Brianna. Brianna. My, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So my dad's name is Brian and she's Andrea. So I think that's how they got it. Oh. But her whole family's East Coast and they all said Brianna. So then growing up, I was fine with either one. And what do you prefer? Like, do you prefer Brie over any of them? I think, I think now Brie, yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Good to know. Good to because, know. I mean, we've had times where we don't know exactly how to say somebody's name so or you call them the it. wrong name for a long time and then they finally correct you uh-huh. and you're like, oh, now I feel like a ding ding. Get, mm-hmm. get mm-hmm. fussy about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's your name. Like, it's kind of important. <laughs> it's kind of, <laughs> it's yeah. kind of a big thing. We had somebody on recently. And we're like, we really don't know how to pronounce their name. So I just didn't say their name the whole time. because oh, I was dumb. We should have said something. Oh, Hindsight. Funny. I know. We should have just asked. Yeah. How do you yeah, pronounce but I do that too name? with clients. You know, like, you just don't want it to be wrong. Or you know somebody and you haven't said it the right way for so long. Yes. How do you ask? Right. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have a teacher and it's Andrea. Mm-hmm. But I've called her what Andrea, I, Andrea yeah. this whole time because I had an Andrea friend as well. And so, and she never corrected me. And then I heard somebody else say, and I was like, oh, am I supposed to say your name like that? And I could never remember. So I remember by, I say, I'm going to picture that I'm on Drea, Drea. Oh, I was going to say, uh, is it Andrea? Yeah. Because yeah, I've never the, heard of Andrea. Andrea, 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 and Andrea. I don't know. It's a lot. It's so much. But I heard somebody else call her that. And I was like, oh, maybe I've been saying it the wrong time. She's like, everybody says it differently. So I don't care. Yeah. (laughs) I don't have a name like that. I don't. My name is very straightforward. Yeah. It's it's Kate Lynn. Kate Lynn. Yeah. Sarah. Well, you'd think mine is, but my um, (laughs) like Sarah (laughs) or Sarah or Sahara. Oh, Sahara. Sahara. I know. But what was the first one? Sarah. Sarah. Uh Well, that's just maybe an accent. (laughs) Sarah. Sarah. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. Okay. Okay. Brie. (laughs) So you own Bloom. Uh Tell us about just about what you do. 
I, okay, we could talk about that all day because it seems like the more we've gotten into it, the more we've realized that the value is beyond just the, the client exchange. Um, so medical aesthetics, it's kind of this weird little zebra. It's a combination of medicine and art, but also then the, the, it's all elective. So it's a luxury service. Um, and I think coming into it for me as the provider, even five, 10 years ago that I had a stigma too, like people don't want to be taken advantage of. People don't want to be seen as dollar signs. And if that's all this industry is, I wouldn't want to stay in it as, as the service provider for it. Was that the stigma? Is that still stigma? It's changing. It's getting better. But I think if you talk to 10 different people, you'd probably get 10 different answers because one experience can totally define how you see the whole thing. Um, a bad one or a good one from the, you know, being the patient. So at Bloom, it started because I have worked at, at different places here, but then also it started in California and it all seemed to be giving this different experience. And I was like, okay, well, what if we just do something that's different about the experience that that person's going to get? So they know what to expect. They kind of know, know what's going to happen and they have control over, you know, helping decide that. So it's more of a partnership, um, whether you do the thing or don't do the thing. So that was kind of the idea behind it. And it's been really fun having that play out. It's been like a year and a half now, I think. So yeah. I'm getting there. Fairly yeah. new. Yeah. So you mentioned California. Tell us about mm. the journey to get to being in Pinehurst. It, th- that was my husband. Is He's not, he's a foreigner. He's from South Africa, born and raised. And so he had one relative here in North Carolina on a golf course and knew he manifested North Carolina, Pinehurst, North Carolina. I'm from the West Coast, had no idea about this, this all that this place has to offer, the whole idea of a golf town, a little resort town. I was like, okay, like, that sounds fun. But then we visited, and it seems to be just one of the last little precious spaces, you know, that you can raise a family and do all the fun things. Um, so... I finished school out there and we visited here and because he had left his country and came here, I was like, all right, let's go try it. That's fine. I can be, I can be flexible. Um, so we came here about seven and a half years ago now. So many questions. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where Does are you ha- from? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you go. <laughs> Where are you from? Idaho. Born and raised. Okay. Born and raised in Idaho. Yep. And Potato then, state. So yeah. proud of it. But uh, I still have a 208 area code. Everyone who knows my, yeah, I'll keep it forever. <laughs> I love that. I still have my 760. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good conversation starter. Yeah. Like, where the heck are you from? Yeah. Um, and then you moved to California or what? Yeah. So, school. So, I studied abroad. I did uh, school in, in Washington and was pre med. And then I have always had, that was kind of the, the business focus too, is like this, this, service mentality or you know just like my parents were really good about that so like you're only as 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 full as what you're doing for others right so freshman year it was a cool study abroad trip and uh, that was in South Africa and so it's a habitat for humanity build not looking for a human at all but (laughs) this this guy shows up and just so cool like I'd never felt that way I was so laser focused on I actually am talking about your Enneagram stuff Kaylin I, I think I'm a three and I'm not, I'm not at the point, I'm not embodying that yet. Like, I don't know if I really am, but I think I am. And I'm, you mentioned (laughs) in one of your episodes that it was hard to, to fully be okay with that in a little bit. Oh, sure. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I, so let's talk about that later. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And then accept it and the good and the bad. But anyways, so focused and that left very little time for, you know, what I saw as distractions, but long story short on that trip, he was very 
just awesome. I'd never felt like I was so interested in a person and he was very persistent, uh, in just, I don't know. We just, I was like, wow, this guy's like building this on this roof. We've been up here like eight hours. Like he must really care. And he was like, I'm really into this chick and (laughs) not to throw him under the bus, but he had different motivations. Um, but then I came back from that trip and 18 year old me, I called my mom and left her voicemail and I was like, I'm never going to see this person again, but I want to, I want to marry somebody like that. I want to feel that way about somebody. I want to, I want to know like that's real that's possible all right so now I have a standard and then kept in touch via email and then I went back a couple years later and proposed to him after a week and he had wait uh (laughs) what (laughs) okay oh my gosh laser focus so the focus totally changed I'm gonna need a notebook today to write down all of my questions a couple years later Uh, okay yes so first of all you kept in touch via email yeah because we both dated other people there was no well, yeah in two years what are Facebook, you gonna do there was no this was like 2009 10 yeah so facebook 10, was around but nine, it wasn't like no it was not a big myspace I mean, it might have been myspace yeah 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 so you guys are just and talking and he'd finished grad school he's a little bit older like finished law school he was just doing all these really cool things and just I was just fascinated by that person. So you kept in touch via email, like how so? Just like, hey, what's up? Was it very casual? casual because he was actually with somebody who was very protective because he had shared this experience too, actually, when they were just like friends before dating. And she was like, you're not allowed to talk to that person. Yeah. <laughs> well, Which that, was fair. Sure. Um, so it was just and he very was like, much well, like, yeah, it was like I'm very, send very, her an email. Does yeah. that count? <laughs> it was, I'm mean, really, I was like, I'm sure they're being screened. Like, I'm gonna, but this is really cool. Like you're doing these really cool things. And, um, and then I, you know, the faith-based part of it too. At that point I was a Christian and he was not. And I was just like, you know, I don't know if faith can come into this or not, but I was like, we're supposed to pray for everybody. But I would say he was at the top of my list. Right? <laughs> oh. God, you want people, you know. It, yeah. <laughs> um, but at that point, still very focused on pre-med and, you know, just like doing the things, yeah. the stepwise things. And which for, for better or for worse, it was just the same program that I mentored or they, they asked me, they were like, Hey, do you want to go back on the same trip, but this time mentor it? And I was like, Oh yeah. So at that point it was the researching, um, I was doing HIV AIDS research in the, in a township outside of Cape town and told, told, <laughs> sent an email. Hey, <laughs> this was like February. Um, in June I'm, I'm coming back and his name's Richard and we were both dating other people. And then the next day we both like broke up with those people who were it's just and we didn't even that was the first time in my life I didn't question anything and then it was then it was emails and then it was um what was before it wasn't FaceTime it was Skype Skype. Uh (laughs) (laughs) and then the the time difference man we Skyped probably every day till June and my roommates thought I was nuts with anticipation of being together uh you know because it was like he couldn't he he had, had this amazing job lined up that was you know that he'd worked so hard to kind of get and I think it was just, I, I, I was anticipating being together because I was like, I'll go there. I'll move there. I'm done. I'm, this is great. Like, this is the person. I still feel this same way. Like, I think at that time I was 18, 19, 20, I was 20. Uh, so just wild. And I have a five-year-old daughter and I was like, I would think she was nuts if she was telling me all of these, you know, this, but I, it, it did help that I'd never, I just questioned everything up until this point. So went back that he was actually on this really cool bike trip like they he and his brother were biking through africa like all the way up through mozambique and malawi and that was the thing i was like don't cut that short just for me but like 
they had that plan. Those were the dates I was going to be there. Um, and he did. And his brother thought he was nuts for a while too, to like come back. And, and then it was just, so we were together about like three weeks, two to three weeks, I think that first trip. And then again, about a week. And then I was like, yeah, this is the person. And you proposed to him. Yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, I mean, the only way we could make this work really is to get married. Like, should we do that? <laughs> he was like, throw this yeah. out there. Like, we really should do that. Did you just say that all like off the cuff or had you been like rallying the courage to no, say it? No, that was totally off the cuff because I was like, oh my gosh, like this really is what we thought it was going to be. That's wild. I think if we're going to do this, like we should, we should, we should get married. Is that, should, should we do that? And my parents were way, they didn't get married until their mid thirties. Like, yeah. Cause the work and the study and that was all mm-hmm. the thing. And it was crazy because that didn't even come into like the question of I am pre-med I couldn't really do that how could you even get what we, what would who would have to give up what it just it didn't it didn't it was like the, the fear of that didn't matter because there was trust that if it was supposed to be that it would be okay right yeah so then what happened so then I had to leave I extended my trip my parents had to, <laughs> they had to move me out I was in a, a house like share there was like six of us in this house situation up in Seattle because we had all been roommates for a lot of years which was so great but the rent it was coming due because this was before my senior year and so my parents had to drive up and like move me out of that while you're just house. gallivanting around yeah, South I'd Africa like, with like this ex- wonderful I was like man. guys I'm gonna <laughs> extend my trip and I was living it was in a hostel and so then the trip ended like the study abroad trip ended the mentorship my my professor actually didn't think I was nuts she was like yeah he's the person I knew he was the person the first time she was Aww. she loved him and the same professor who mentored the trip and uh so just but I'm making that a long story but it was just wild how those pieces came together and my mom because of that voicemail I had left she was like yeah like telling my dad like it's okay it's all right whatever's gonna happen it's okay because this is this seems like it's you know could be part of the plan so moved his mom like he was like you should probably come stay with us like I'm, I'm gonna come to the states like I'm gonna so come meet my mom come stay at our house and I was like oh okay like all right this is, but I'm gonna do it because I was in a hostel in Cape Town like in this little like room share and then stayed for another couple weeks did all the cool research he drove me instead of having to take the little taxi into the township every day like he drove me every day and we did another habitat like volunteer thing there it was just it's just really kind of crazy and then I had to leave and come back to the States. And I, I rem- that was one of the hardest days of my entire life because I was like, don't do that. Like, all right, I'm going back to real life. Don't leave if you don't want to leave. Don't, don't do that, you know. And also, long story short, he had um, come to, to – had his own come to Christ and became a believer in those two years, like separately, independent of anything mm. that well, you guys were I had done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which was – so that was – definitely part of the story and then uh he sold everything because he he told that job at one of his days he was like after I left he took two days and he was just like oh my god this is real like so then and then he went to this person that he'd been internship and he was like I'm gonna leave the country thank you for this opportunity but I'm going um sold everything bought his ticket and came in November I left I think in like September he got here in November and then we had to do it on a holiday visa so it was totally like that 90 day fiance we had to do all the interviews and it was terrifying um because it had to be spontaneous because we did not apply for the fiance visa that would have been two years where neither of us could travel so that was also 
nerve wracking. And then I had, I changed my plans. I didn't do the med school track because I wouldn't have been able to work for that long. And he wasn't able to work right when he got to the States on his holiday visa. So I played PA schools. So that was how my track kind of shifted because I had the hours and I was a a CNA during college. Mm -hmm. And so it just kind of amazing that the two schools that were left in the application cycle, one was California, one was Florida. So we kind of had to pick, um, and he was able to take the bar here in the States. So we kind of ended up in California. Wow. Dang. Yeah. But that's, that's why I was like, then he was like North Carolina. He had visited here a couple times growing up and loved it. And I was like, all right, well, if you love North Carolina, you get to help us go in our next, wherever we're going to be next. Yeah. And he does love it here. He wants to be buried here, die in the back. Literally, he like loves, 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 loves North Carolina, which is so cool. Can we call him and hear his accent? <laughs> good one. It's really good. And yeah. I, I'm hoping my daughter has some. She's water. Like she says some things that are really cute. But yeah, yeah <laughs> she just needs to like go for a yes, little while and immerse exactly. herself as she's developing her language. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So you guys are just a power couple. He's an attorney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you're a PA. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no but big it's deal. Funny talking about that because then real life starts and life gets so hectic and hard like those were the things that are so great because you get those like you know where that direction is going or have anything and then that was actually one of the things I want to talk about I was like then nobody I loved being in school because you could be mm. success was well defined and that's this Enneagram 3 thing like yeah. I think great like you get the the not reward but you know what you're going to do and if you do it great and no one tells you that in the real world so you set your own success and then then the leadership part is even harder because you're setting what that success looks like for other people. And I don't like that either. Turns out that is not one of my strengths. <laughs> Turns out. I would rather do it myself. Yeah. And I would so much rather because then I don't I don't want other people to not like what that version, you know, the people pleasing in leadership is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell us about that part of the journey because I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, I went to school, but not for anything that is relevant really in my life or seemingly relevant. I'm sure it is, but yeah, I'm sure you learned a lot, <laughs> if anything. But I lessons. didn't get a, a degree. Yeah. I left before I got that degree. Um, so I don't necessarily have the same view as somebody who's would mm-hmm. have been in school forever where everything is so great in theory and mm-hmm. you're in this tiny bubble of being a student and there's your professor and I just have to do these benchmarks and I will get the A, mm-hmm. right? There's not all of these other things that come into play. It's just you and your trajectory really. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> unrealistic expectations because so many professor I mean there's wonderful professors but the general consensus I'm hearing from college students is so many professors are like you go in and you are worth this and you demand this Mm -hmm. they're not teaching them hard work moving up the ladder going in as the underdog like and working your way up they're not they're not teaching that yeah. to, to prepare these people for real life. Well, that's exactly right. Because when you get out, it's, you, you really are not only are you, you're kind of a product of those, then those 10 people you're around. If you're not surrounded by 10 other hustling students and then you're out in this environment that you just, you don't feel like you have control over that whole ecosystem changes. Like I've seen that with quite a few younger twenties to thirties where then it's like, well, now what do I do? I'm, I am responsible for creating all of the systems and structure for myself and I don't know how to do it. So mm-hmm. I agree with that. My my little my younger sibling was one of those in that situ- situation too. And it was like, 
oh, you're right. We didn't learn those applicable real life skills. So Caitlin, for some of your stuff, you probably were, you know, you better trained or more well-trained with some of the combination of real life stuff that. Yeah. Well, I just, you know, met a man and then got married and Mm -hmm. was whisked away to army life where I had to figure it out. Luckily for me, Luke had kind of already figured it out because he went into the military at 17 Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. left home, Mm -hmm. you know? And so he had been on his own taking care of himself. Mm -hmm. And I kind of got to fall into that a little bit of like, oh, this is how you take care of yourself. Excellent. (laughs) But I feel like that's a big deal for us as parents is to set them up to be productive adults Mm -hmm. and not to continuously be in this cozy bubble where they get all their expectations met, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a tricky balance of when you start doing that and what does it look like and how much do you let them fail and all of these things. How do you, it just so for advice for me then, cause like you said, so you're, you have five years left, some, some amount of years left with your oldest, right? Before. Oh, she, uh, no, my oldest is she's college. 18. She gone. Oh, 18. Okay. So is it one of your sons? I mean, I uh-huh. just, so, yeah, my son's getting ready to turn 16 okay. this weekend. So uh. it's wild. Like that goes so fast. So, so fast. even as I'm thinking about the independence and creating a growth mindset, that has been the biggest thing that I've learned that going back to the, when you asked about the leadership thing is that if I don't have that mindset and if I'm not holding myself, I can have the, the core values for the business, all I want and the mission of the business, all I want. But if I'm not doing, giving myself that grace of, of mistakes are okay, as long as we learn from them, then no one else is going to believe that that's really real. You know, it's, It's hard to do, Mm -hmm. but I mean, I don't, yeah. Yeah. We always tell our kids, you know, we, we of course enforce punishment and discipline, you know, based on what they did and based on each kid, we don't discipline the same for each one, Mm -hmm. which is a whole thing in itself. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Because they all respond differently. So like, you know, Josie, I could do something and she'd be like, all right, well, can I still play with my toys? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like she would just you know, whatever it would be. So I had to figure out, okay, what's the most valuable thing for her and take that away. Right. So, um, she was a tough one, but she's amazing now. And then, you know, for my son, like he's such a people pleaser. I'd be like, Oh my goodness. Like as a toddler. And then he would just break down. I'm sorry, mama. I'm Mm -hmm. so sorry. Like he just cares about other people so much. So just seeing that I was disappointed was like enough mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's also tricky because the kids are looking at each other and they're like, yeah, but I lost this, but right. you didn't do anything constant to him. in our household. It's so constant. And just to explain it, it's important for you to explain it to all the kids, why you do it differently. And, um, so that way they can implement it when they're parents as well but even the older two now see us with our younger ones and they're like you would have never let us do that and I'm like yeah because the problems just get bigger I'm not worried about you walking around the house with a spoon of peanut butter and rubbing it on the walls because (laughs) I can just wipe that off but the bigger the kid the bigger the problem so we just and you you learn you learn and you pick your battles there's such a gap between Josie and yeah yeah that it's like you're a different parent. Oh yeah. You're not the same parent as you were. No. Because you've learned, you have life experience. You have like what, 10 years, 12 years, what, 15 years of parenting? Yeah. Yeah. That changes you. 18. Yeah. 
Oh, you mean between the yeah between, between Josie and Bella. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it does change you, but I I explain it and I tell my kids and we even have like little grace talks where like, okay, here's your chance to tell us everything mm-hmm. without getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. Like, go ahead and just dump the truth on us. And I tell my kids, I'm like, I'm glad you're making these mistakes now while you're under the safety net of our roof. Mm-hmm. Like, I want you to make these mistakes now because what I don't want happen to happen is be so like on top of my kids constantly, even though we homeschool, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I still give them tons of freedom, but I don't want to be so on top of my kids to where they don't have the freedom to make the wrong choices because then when I send them off to college, they're not going to know how to make the right choice. Yep. So it's like, it's a gradual thing. Um, and trying to implement that. And I like that, you know, my older daughter kind of mentors my son that's 16. She's like, He's like, I can't wait to have my license. I have freedom. And I'm like, oh, no, no, <laughs> that is not how it works. You don't get your license and then just go do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. Like it's a gradual process. When you get your license, you now get to drive yourself to school and back and church and back and work and back. That's, well, that's a little bit of freedom, right? It's all yeah. relative. Yeah. <laughs> but there, there's freedom within boundaries. Right. There's no detours to like. I'm going to stop and hang out with this kid and I'm going to get like, there's no just going to do whatever you want to do. So it's all just this gradual process. And, and I think that's why I am a different parent too, because I can see how it progressed and even we're even different about what age kids get social media. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing we take away. If there starts to be problems, cause I think it's a giant problem that causes problems. And so, yeah, I know. But yeah. I hate it. <laughs> Let, letting them make the mistakes in your safety net where you can help train them to get back on track. Yeah. It really is, though, just like what it's such a good example. I, I was in this last maybe six months, I've been doing more intentional work on like, all right, the business is, the business needs love, not just, you know, working in the business and in service based business. That's hard to do because. I think I went into it thinking, oh my gosh, no one's going to have a job unless I'm in here producing. And I'm so excited to give this opportunity or have this, you know, be a place people want to work, but it's still all on on me to make sure that there's that stability, that we can pay the payroll, right? And then it shifts to, okay, well, someone's got to be working on the business, not just in the business, but also learning the businesses. That in, anyways, last six months, this business uh, coach, she was like, you know, it's, it's okay. Because I kept complaining about how, I would I feel like I would just get something done and then it wouldn't be the right thing anymore because of how that growth trajectory is happening. And I was negative about it. And she was like, okay, well, think about your business like a kid. You're raising a kid, right? How often does that happen? You get comfortable with one way of doing things and then it and then it has to change. It's not just that it needs to or that it, you could change or not change. Like, no, that that being needs something different from you and from everyone else in that little person's life. Same with the business. So that helped relieve a lot of stress about you know, just like the change for employees. Like I said, I'd rather do it myself, but then telling people that it needs to change that that's just, oh, you get. do you have an example of something that you talked about? Yeah. As far as the business like that. I, that's a good question. Cause I feel like everything has kind of rapidly evolved and we would just get structures or systems in place. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing I would do differently is, is, try harder to control that growth instead of listening what everyone else was saying is that's a good problem to have. Oh my gosh, it's so good that you're so busy. 
that is true on the one hand, but on the other hand, that creates a host of problems, not just for the people in the business, because there's, there's, there's hours required to manage that, that, that needs to be done outside of eight to five or whatever. And that's not fair or shouldn't be expected. Um, so I think maybe taking the, taking stock or somebody in that first year, if, if you're growing at a certain pace, like take a minute to pause and be in a period of, of, like a plateau period and be okay with that doesn't mean things aren't going right. It means you have to get things so buttoned down that that next growth stage can be done in a way that's sustainable. Yeah. Um, so I think in lots of ways, just with number of clients or with space, we outgrew a space really quickly. So that's like a one easy example. It was just going to be me and, and one front staff. I think when I first thought about, it, I was like, I just want it to be, I don't even want a front staff. Um, and then, then, you know, just the, I mean, in that people pleasing mentality or saying yes, mentality that that was I wasn't taking the time to pause and really think of what that would lead to in the next 10 or 20 steps down the road mm-hmm. yeah having the forethought is really mm-hmm. hard when you're just go 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 because you're so excited about this mm-hmm. idea you have this vision in your head of what you want to create mm-hmm. and I'm sure if you are a three you can really visualize it yeah yourself with clients in this space what it looks like feels like what yep. does it smell like who do I see what mm-hmm. am I wearing all of these things and you're like great we're going yeah and there's not a whole lot of pause of like oh shit how am I going to create this what systems do I need to have in place what am I saying yes to what am I saying no to yeah and really getting clear on that because it's really hard to say no to, especially when you have clients who are like, mm-hmm. Hey, can you see me? And you're like, sure. I'll stay till six. I'll mm-hmm. stay till seven. I'll fit you in. I'll find a way Yeah. where you feel like you have to until yeah. you're completely burnt out. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there were the one, you guys also spoke about, you know, the delegating part of things and it, you have to, you were so spot on with it. You've got to be in the right mindset to delegate or what you, what you delegate won't have enough you know, system structure processes in place that it's 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 able to be uh, doable for that person. Mm-hmm. Or like, I think the biggest thing now I'm saying to myself is if instead of feeling like it's um, and I don't know if this is an, an enneagram thing too. I need to do some coaching with you and figure it out. <laughs> yeah. But it's like I wanted to do I wanted to be working harder than anyone else so that they were they were proud of that. Like set the tone. And I guess that's how I was raised. Do it, do it, do it, do it. If you're if you're tired, do it hard, more because that's how you're setting an example. That's not an example. I wanted to create a life first business Mm -hmm. and I want that for the people that are in the business. So I was doing the exact opposite. Maybe you're a one. (laughs) Because that's me too. Well, yeah, but it's for different reasons. Yeah. Yeah. My question was going to be like, so why? Yeah. Yeah. Why did you want to set the tone that way? Like work to the bone. (laughs) I think the the fear of them being disappointed or if I was taking two hours not there to do something else, that that zone of what I could do or only I could do that couldn't be delegated, the fear of them thinking, well, I'm here. Why isn't she here? Or taking the time with the family or not coming in until 930 because I wanted to do a yoga class. Well, I'm here. Why why isn't she here? So is it the so, appearance of it, the way it looks? Maybe, yeah, I think so. That's so definitely it's, a three it's, thing. That's like yeah. a fear because of Because you that. might have the same fear, but you don't care necessarily – like it, for you, does it fall between like the right and wrong of it? Um, not necessarily. I think it's the, the appearance of it too. Like I just, I don't want anyone to feel like they're working for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And that I'm so like 
I went to the beach this past weekend. I almost didn't post pictures because mm-hmm. there were shows happening mm-hmm. all weekend. There were people there like 28 hours a day, mm-hmm. <laughs> like making up yeah. hours to be mm-hmm. there. And here I am at the beach and I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't even post pictures of this. And I'm like, but you know what? I worked hard to get this and I worked hard to find these people and they're, you know, I'm compensating them and they're working hard as well and loving their job. And I like force them to take time off, mm-hmm. you know, like they will not take time off and I force them. But, um, I think my mentality behind it is I don't want them to feel like I don't support them. Mm-hmm. And so I would always try and be there like at a strike. A strike is so much work after a show, like Mm -hmm. putting everything back, washing all the costumes, Mm -hmm. doing all the deep cleaning. And my husband's like, it's a Sunday dinner time. Why are you there mopping floors? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, because I want to show them that I support them. And he's like, you can still show them you support them without giving up your Sunday with your family. And I'm like... Yeah, <laughs> I tricky. can. It, it's but it's tricky. It, yeah, because it, it's yeah, but like, and that, is that a female it, leadership thing? Because my know. my husband doesn't seem he doesn't have a problem with that. He's like, no, right, you're doing the appropriate things. That is their definition of success. That's included in the in what that needs to be. Mm-hmm. Why do you think you're helping? You might even be making it worse. Right, <laughs> they might have more fun if you're not. You know, they're <laughs> yeah, trying to help or do it faster or be more efficient. You know, I, like oh, but I don't believe it, or it's hard. You know, to get to that point. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I haven't figured that one out necessarily, but yeah, I put this own self guilt that people are there working and I'm not. Mm -hmm. Well, I do think as females, we tend to be more of the nurturers, caring, loving, want to be supportive. And we just naturally view things that way. And the way we view that is relationships. Mm -hmm. So to be there, to be connecting with these people, to be talking with them, hearing about their day, it's exactly what we do with our kids. Mm -hmm. We want to connect, connect. That relationship Mm -hmm. matters to us where men are more of like the doers. They can Mm -hmm. separate a little bit of the emotion and say, no, I have this A to B job to do do step one, two, three, four. Okay. Complete. Right. (laughs) Right. They're very good at being able to compartmentalize those things Mm -hmm. and open different boxes at different times. Whereas for us, our, a lot of our boxes and our brains are open all the time. Right. And so we have to manage all of that. It's like that visual, the guy talking about the yep. boxes in the brain. Yeah, and then exactly the women that are like of. the wired. Yeah. The women are like, bing, 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 bing. All over the place. The man's like work open. Yeah. (laughs) I'm leaving work now closed. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. They are very much like that. What changed my mentality though, I think behind it, not, I think I know is my best friend. That's my manager. She, we were talking one day about something and I said something about somebody overworking or something like that. And she goes, well, that's the example that you set. So everyone feels like they have to do that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but I'm working because I don't want them to have to work too hard. But they saw me replying to emails at midnight. They saw me like constantly working, doing all these things, answering a text immediately and answering their phone calls immediately, being there all the time. Somebody calls out of work. I go in and sub. I do all those things. I don't, I don't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. 
because it kind of, it changed the way I saw it because mm-hmm. she's, you know, instead of them seeing me as, oh, well, she's really here helping and working hard to help us. It was instead looking like, oh, she overworks. Are we supposed to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to do that too? Right. Is that the expectation? Is that the expectation? Yeah. So that, that changed my view and mentality of it, but it still creeps back in. Mm-hmm. Like I said, this past weekend where I'm like, and I'm seeing all the pictures of everything and I'm just like, oh, I feel so bad. I'm not there, but I have to have time to spend with my family too. And, and your employees will be in a different season. You know, if they don't have a five-year-old and they are able to, or their husband's gone, like I have a staff member, her husband's deployed and she doesn't have kids, doesn't plan to. She doesn't mind working the late evenings. She doesn't mind taking on all this stuff. Like mm-hmm. she enjoys it because it gives her something to do yeah. while he's gone. So it's different for every staff member. And I think that's why it's so important to get to know your staff and their personal life Yeah, too. One of the things you said was um, something about people, or maybe you said it, people working for you. Mm. I think that's maybe the mindset shift is that we're all working for the collective mission of what mm-hmm. we do. Right. You're not working for me. We are all working for this greater cause that is far beyond like you, me sitting here. Mm-hmm. Right. It's something much bigger than that. And that's our trajectory. We're on this side of it, looking at it this way, right? Mm-hmm. We're all working together. Right. And that's, that's the picture we have to paint for our staff because I sit there and worry that they think they're working for right. me while I'm out on and some vacation. of our employees may think that. Right. <laughs> they may. They may. Right. So it's about just the balance of what do you do to nurture, support, care for, um, value, help them grow, and also be the example of somebody who takes care of themselves mm-hmm. and has this balancing act going. I never want to say balance because I think it's bullshit. But, yeah. You know, the balancing act, you know, relatively going well. Right. And managing all that's a whole nother pressure, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> but it, I think also it's the people like for the roles. That was another thing that was yeah. so interesting is like that that person may, it might not be their right time or the right space and that's okay. But then the ten, don't let that tension kind of continue to build if you hired an employee but you what what you needed was an entrepreneur right those those that's been that's become really clear to me that like there's going to be stages of the business I think the I didn't realize how much that first year mainly because I was listening to everyone else they're like you know stress 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 and then as soon as the doors opened everyone's like all right so how's it getting better like is the dust settled yet and I'm looking at them like they're crazy for even asking that but also like well maybe they're asking that for a reason like we're supposed to have everything figured out yet or right now and and that was that is just so not realistic so knowing that the people you need at the beginning are kind of okay building the plane while you're flying it because they believe in the bigger picture the mission and the values and you know, and then there'll be a place where that next person brought on can be somebody who has everything in place for them. Um, and, and like being okay with the stages of those business, the, the stages the business is in, which is, you know, it takes learning. That's definitely somewhere to, to, <laughs> I've had to come around to believe that is really true. Yeah. Can um, you elaborate on it now? Cause you said when you first opened that it was yourself and a front desk mm-hmm. worker. So a uh, 
tell us like all the services you offer, all the different employees that you have Mm -hmm. so that people have perspective into kind of what you're, what you're talking about. Yeah. So the goal was not necessarily full service as far as everything done or, or lots of different options. I kind of was, okay, let's do something that's, that's a boutique practice or something that we're really good at what we're offering. And I love the teaching and training part of it too, because I found so much value in, um, how quickly I like how quickly the industry has changed. I think it's getting better. And so I wanted to be able to share that. Um, but the, the idea also is it's such a niche that you really have to know what you're getting into. And so the first one of the, the first Kim, who is amazing and I, she's just going to be such an, she is an amazing injector came on with an expectation of this, that I would be able to really teach and train to, to, I guess like, um, a a big part or a large hour, hour amount of training. And I thought so too, because I didn't know what that would look like. I think at that very beginning process, you don't know what you don't know (laughs) into the unknown. (laughs) And so that's just something that we ultimately ended up kind of figuring out along the way. But I wanted there to be like, so, so an entrepreneur, somebody in the business who really believes that they've got what it takes to build their own clientele and provide that excellent level of customer service and client experience and outcomes ultimately. And that takes going all in. And I didn't even realize that. I, I thought that could be like an, a side option or a nice, you know, you, you dip your toe in and a lot of people in the industry still work maybe as a nurse at the hospital and then work in aesthetics. And, and what I, we came to realize is actually not for the level of care that we want to give. It is all or nothing. And that was hard to realize too, because I didn't realize, like I had to commit to do that too and go just aesthetics. I was clinical derm for a while. And then I was like, that doesn't, for me, that doesn't leave the time for me to really invest in my own training to get where I want to go. So, so why did I think that was going to be different for somebody else? You know, it's all this good learning process. So well, sometimes we don't take that pause moment to say, what is this going to look like for my actual life, which is your time? Yeah. And what we, the resource we don't get more of. Right. right? It's, which it's, is, and especially if you are a three, I can relate to this so much where I have this idea and this thought, and that's the only thing that I'm laser focused on that I don't take the time to say, oh, what does that actually look like for me day to day? I know how to get there for sure. I'm like, oh, okay, well, I just put it on my calendar and that's Mm -hmm. a thing. But I don't stop and say, oh, wait, I'm getting better at it. But what does this look like in my day? What am I giving up in order to say yes to this? Mm -hmm. And then I have to really decide, is that something I'm willing to give up? And I have such a hard time because I'm like, I want both. I want it all. I want everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be at every sporting event. I want to go to Molly's performances. I want to have coffee with my husband in the morning. I want to go to the dog park. I want to go coach my team. I want to coach these other business owners. And Luke is really good at being like, okay, and what about those things? What are you willing to give up for this? And I'm like, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you mean? Yeah. I'll do it all. Yeah. So yeah, to create what is in your head and be really specific with how much time it's going to take is really hard for a, a lot of entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. That's why I balance you out too. I'm like, this will be, it's fine just being this. It doesn't have to be all of this. Mm-hmm. It's fine just being this. It's just because <laughs> I have so many ideas. I know. I and do part too, of me feels like, like if I don't fulfill those ideas, 
I will be leaving something on the table and not monetarily, but like, like, put, like for my own potential. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing. Nobody else knows all those ideas that you have and that you won't do those. I don't care about that though. Yeah. I don't care about what the other people think about it. It's like in my own head of my expectations for myself uh-huh. are that you have all these things to give and do. And, um, if you don't do them, then what are you doing? Yeah. It's really, it is kind of fucked up now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> because but it's, it doesn't sound, it didn't sound until you said it, right? Like that's still the reality. It is. Like, it's still my, my reality. Head. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, and it, and you're looking at it like, I've got all this I can offer and, but you offering this much is still better than none at all. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It is. I hear what you're saying. Logically, I do. Logically. And it all makes a total logical sense. Yeah. So offering a tiny bit is better than nothing. Well, niching it down, yeah, right? And not right? saying like, yep. we're going to do all of these 10 things. Mm-hmm. Like do what you do really, really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it works when that works that, that absolutely that, that works. I, I think for then the, the, and I've said now I feel like it's actually good to say this out loud because I've said it a couple of times, but going forward, I will have such a better idea to say ahead of time, this is what success looks like. And if it's, that's okay if it's not your right light, you know, time, cause I can't make a list of things that, that are right for you right now. But if this is the right fit, this is what that can really look like. Mm-hmm. And that just, that does take time to get to, but it's, it's such an exciting place to be at too, knowing that now that we know that, that I will have so much peace stepping into the working on the business side knowing that that same level of service is being delivered because we can check in on it without micromanaging it right um so at two years it was like okay this feels good instead of just being negative about it or it that you know that not even scarcity mindset it was just I think what the the vibe I kept portraying to the people that I love and that were in the business working so hard is that when I would share my the big ideas that it, it was portrayed or taken as like, then what we're doing right now isn't enough. Mm. And that's so not true. I was feeling it because I'm the, you were our own hardest critics. And I think that's the entrepreneur like struggle. It's okay because we wouldn't be where we're at had you not been satisfied with where things were, but giving a benchmark for, it doesn't matter if you tell them you're, you're doing a great job because if I'm still creating things or saying things can be different or better, it was seemed to be so perceived as like, well, then you're saying that, but are we really doing enough? Like, I don't know. But I think that is, that's also a female thing too. When you have a great team of people who also want to be that best version. Um, actually that's a good, I would love to get your guys' advice on that too, because how do you, it's, it's, and when learning about the team, it's not, it's not about money. None of that. It wasn't like a bonus thing or a profitability thing. Cause I, I was so excited to offer some of that. And then it turns out when you hire the people that aren't super money motivated, they don't care. They want other, th- the satisfaction of job well done and that internal motivation. So, which is great. Cause those are the people you want to work with. And um, just a great company culture. Yeah. When you like where you work and you enjoy showing up most days, not every day. Cause we're not robots, but, um, that can, that offers more than mm-hmm. a lot of times some bonus would be. Yeah. Cause and if your work culture sh- sucks, like, cool, I got this $500, but it still sucks to come here yeah. every day. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Good luck. Yeah. So go, yeah. I don't know. 
So I think that talking about the the work culture and all of those things, I I can immediately tell who's there for the money and who's there for the greater mission. And basically I just take the time to invest in the people that I can tell are there for the greater mission because the people that are there for the money, they're not typically going to be there long-term. So what, what did they display that shows you they're only there for the money? Oh, the biggest thing is a lot of people that are there for the money are also the same people that aren't good at following through on all the other things. For instance, today's payroll. I know exactly which people's time clocks probably will not be correct. And I'll get a text immediately as soon as their payroll is processed. My time clock's not correct. I'm so sorry. I didn't do this. And this isn't across the board. There are some people that just forget time clocks. Not a big deal. But there's other people that notice it right away. But if I send them a crucial question or an idea or something like that, they never respond to me. But there's an immediate response if the payroll's wrong. Mm-hmm. But if there's like, hey, so I was thinking about this and I was wondering if you might be interested in doing this. Or this person needs a substitute. Would you be available that day? Never get a response. But within 10 minutes of seeing payroll mm-hmm. process, I get a response of my payroll's not right. Sure. And that I'm like, sense. ah, I see what's important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like an immediate thing that I see what's important. And sometimes it is okay to have those people on your team, especially when your team is so big like yours is, that that can kind of float by for a while as long as they're doing their job to the standard for the most part. Right. You just can't have the majority of your people be that way. No, you can't have the majority and you have to recognize it because you're going to promote the ones that aren't like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, and it doesn't mean you need to let them go just because they're focused on the finances and you don't know what's going on at home. Mm-hmm. I so many times think about that and I'm thinking, I bet they're focused on the finance because of an outside thing, mm-hmm. not anything, you know, it's not just about us. It could be pressure from somebody else. It could be pile of bills on the counter. It could be student loans. We don't know what their situation is that is causing that pressure. And not everybody's in the situation to not have to worry about that. Right. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I make sure that we're the highest compensating, Mm -hmm. you know, studio in the area. Um, so I know they're not going to leave to go somewhere else for it. And I just recognize those things and see who's invested because they're invested and who's invested just for the money. And I, I can see the balance of the people that are like, Hey, this is wrong. I'm sorry. I forgot to clock in. And I'm like, no big deal. I know that they're invested or the people that are like, Oh, it's wrong. But didn't reply to anything else that I sent the whole Mm -hmm. (laughs) last two weeks. Sure. So when you guys are hiring, do you use screening techniques for searching out those, uh, you know, the, the people that are going to be keep doing that. The people that are going to fit, not just what you need job description wise, but, you know, creating this job, creating this culture where people want to work, but that also creates, it's not everybody who wants to work with you is going to be the right fit, which is, you know, so how do you (laughs) decide that? Yeah, we do. So we use the Enneagram a lot. Uh, we ask the very first questions we ask are value-based questions. Mm -hmm. So I want to know who you are, what you're into, what you love, what kind of culture you want to be in, what you bring to the culture before we even go into like, how many years experience do you Mm -hmm. have? Right. Cause there are things that we can teach you on the job 
that are fine. Like that will come. That's great. But I can't teach you certain values. I can't teach you um, like work ethic or the desire to show up on time. (laughs) There are things that are just not teachable. You either Mm -hmm. have those things or you don't. And we always ask like, you know, what is your ideal company culture? What do you want to walk into every single day? And if that vision kind of matches our company culture and the values that we hold really true that we live every day, then we want to continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. Then we look at your Enneagram. Are you being hired or looked at for a leadership position? There's certain characteristics that you're going to have to already carry. Mm -hmm. And some Enneagram numbers don't necessarily have those at the forefront. Mm -hmm. So we're like, okay, where else? We want you to be on this team. Where else can we fit you? Mm -hmm. You know, what other job duties would you be really good at? Um, Somebody who's task oriented, you know, versus somebody who is more relationally Mm -hmm. oriented. We want to get that all out up front. And so oftentimes we're like, hey, we're hiring. (laughs) And we don't necessarily say you're being hired for this position. We say, let's bring you on Mm -hmm. and you can do some sub hours. We want to get you in all the classrooms, meet all the teachers. They ask really great questions. Mm -hmm. They then come back to us and say, hey, this person did this in our classroom. We really like this. Or, you know, they started asking about these things and it was kind of uncomfortable. And that gives you the team's opinion too, because Mm -hmm. your team matters. You don't want to just throw somebody in and not have an opinion from the people that you already have deemed to be your people, mm-hmm. right? So I think it's a, a process. I We used to hire like for this specific position and sometimes we still do. But for the most part, it's like, let's bring you into the loop, get to know you, pay you while you're here, of mm-hmm. course, and then see what you're really good at, who you mesh well with, and then put you in that position. That's cool. Yeah. So I think, you know, the hiring process is, it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. It's always changing. Just like you said. The expectation in business should always be that as you are growing and things are changing, there's always going to be something. Mm-hmm. We used to say, oh, like our admin team, when things slow down, <laughs> we'll be able to do this thing. You just yeah. said that downstairs. Yeah, You're like busy that, season. You're yeah. like, wait, that's stupid. I yeah, right. You got to not say that. I'm sorry. Anymore. This is life. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> right. And so we stopped saying that. Now yeah. it's a joke. Right. Now it's the joke of like, hey, when things slow down, we yeah. should work on this, guys. <laughs> no, it's just a matter of that is the expectation. There's always something. Business is so multifaceted. We're dealing with clients, we're dealing with employees, we're dealing with social media and marketing and finances and insurance and all of these things that you have to wear all these hats for, always expect there's going to be something. So the hiring process is exactly like that. Oh, let's try this thing. Oh, it didn't work. Now we're going to amend that process. Mm -hmm. Oh, we think we could do this a little bit better. So this particular thing doesn't happen. Now we're going to amend that process. And if you don't expect that, the people that are on your leadership team can feel like, oh gosh, this isn't going well. Yeah. Oh, we're not doing our jobs right. Oh, this feels really hard. Why does it feel so hard? Well, stop expecting it to be easy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One big question that I started asking that changed everything is I say, why do you think you would be a good fit for Encore? Mm-hmm. And why do you want to work at Encore? Because that immediately tells me, A, they've done their research on us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they don't really know how to answer that or they're saying the wrong things, I'm like, 
they're just throwing their application out and they're not actually like invested invested in what we do. Mm -hmm. And that is so important to me because we're so different than other places that have Mm -hmm. the same offering, which is great because everybody's looking for something different, but I want to make sure they know that we're different in order to provide what's different. So I asked them that up front just to be like, do you even know what we really yeah. do here and offer here in our mentality? Have you gotten some answer? Like I, we started asking it too. And I was like, Oh, Shane, you really didn't even. Right. You like, don't even oh, know what I we do. Like, yeah. Or... You really didn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. But it helps. It absolutely helps. Yeah. Yeah. And the, what the, my favorite, my office manager, Lydia will laugh about this favorite interview question. I don't even know where I put this up, but at the kind of at the end of the interview, I'm like, okay, in 30 days, what could we learn about you that we we don't see right now in the interview process? And, Ooh, just I like that. and it's like so interesting what we've gotten people to say that may or may not hold true, but I it's it's been really now kind of a joke too, like asking that to I had this last, we did one other interview and I had Lydia ask that. And um just because people what you see on paper and in one interview it isn't enough there's so much about this business the way business runs now that I think is is a little outdated that we should as female owners just own that we can do that different and lead with intuition a little bit more and not my husband for example you know I love him because I shared that story earlier but like he's like why are you doing a second and third interview and a working interview and I was like why are you asking me if I'm doing that because I think it's the right thing to do to really find that Mm -hmm. you know to get to know somebody two ways Mm mm-hmm Yeah, Yeah, because in an interview, you're right. Everybody's putting on their best face. Life is not impacting that 30-minute interview. Mm -hmm. Right then, they're showing up with their best face on to try and get a damn job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are some of the answers you've gotten to that question? I love that question. The funniest thing was she was like, you know, I just, I'm a... I'm allowed when I'm really happy, I'll just start like, you know, praising, praising y'all for what you're doing. And I was like, okay. I mean, like, what do you mean? And she's like, I'll just, you know, yell down the hall, like good, good, you know, good job on you. You, you got enough time to work today and make up things that I'm really excited about. And I was like, that's random, but that's a positive. Like, let's think about this, you know, in a good mm-hmm. way. And then other personality traits, you know, people being maybe a little more, a little more open than they would otherwise seem or really loving the, the learning side of the job more than the doing or how they're learning. You know, so, so different things about, um, people's, the why behind what, you know, what they would bring to a job. Um, so just, I, I think it's all those, they've been the answers I've probably filed away as the more important ones in the interview. But, yeah. Did I ever share the story? I don't know if I did or not, but um, I don't do interviews anymore. I typically meet our new hires after they're hired. (laughs) Uh, But I was in my office and our offices are right next to each other, mine and um, the director and office manager. And there was an interviewee sitting in the chair and her back is faced towards the door. And so I kind of like pop around the corner just a little bit and walk by because I'm hearing this interview happen. And it wasn't that exact question, but something along those lines. And this woman is saying, and she's probably 18 or something. And she says something like, yeah, I'm not really good at getting to work on time. So I'm looking for flexibility with that. If I can be like five, 10 minutes late that you guys aren't going to be upset with me or that I'm not going to get like fired right off the bat. And I (laughs) poke my head and I kind of stop and my head like tweaks to the side a little bit. And I make eyes with our director because she can see me, but this interviewee cannot. And I'm like, no, I'm like mouthing like, no, 
no, no. Not that she would have been like, oh yeah, this is a great candidate. But I was just like, what is happening? I love your honesty. Yeah, I yes, love exactly. that you are so upfront with that and that you're sharing that right off the bat, but you're never going to get a job. I was like, I wanted to just, you know, the three in me, I'm like, let me coach you really quick. Can you come step into my office? And can I just guide you on the fact that this is never going to get you a job? You cannot tell people this and also start getting to work on time because that is an important trait to have as an employee. But I was just like, what is going on? So some of the things you hear in interviews, like you just disqualified yourself. Mm -hmm. There is nothing more I can do with that. Yeah. You know, it's rough. It's rough. And it's rough with really young people or creative people. Creative people are their own. Yes, because uh, there are probably a lot of Enneagram fours that work for you. And the details are not important. (laughs) The details are not important to them. It is free flowing. It is the um, like emotion, the feelings behind it. It is and living like right now in the present. Mm -hmm. And they make great teachers when they're on time. (laughs) When they're on time. (laughs) When they're there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've never experienced that as a uh, class taker or, you know, my daughter. Yeah. I've never experienced that. It's been great. We've had a great experience. Great. (laughs) That's through lots of coaching. (laughs) Yeah. Lots of coaching your staff. Mm -hmm. Tell everyone all the things that you offer there so that they know what your staff actually does. I've asked that a few times and I've totally tangent. So Botox, a filler, all the fun things with lasers and you know, facial resurfacing and facials, peels. Um, and it's funny that you, so I think the biggest part is there might not be something you need to do now, but we really value you knowing what you could do in the future if you want to enhance something or if you want to prevent things. And so everybody can kind of start the process at at any point. There's, there's never a too late. And I actually don't think there's ever a too early. Um, we have a lot of, uh, you know, ladies coming in thinking that they need to do these million things before they get married because they see it online that they need to do all these things and they may not need to do a single thing. So we want to be a, you know, a really clear uh, source of information for people. Um, and then also just the confidence part that if there's something that you'd like to enhance, we can help you decide if we can do it or if someone else could do it. And, um, you know, there's just, there's, that's what I find fun about it. And why I think that there's value in the, our, our idea of if you you can do some of these things and feel better about yourself, then you can do the things in your life that really matter with more confidence. And that's been really neat to see. Um, What made you want to get into aesthetics after PA school or did you decide it in school? Yeah, no, I didn't. I had a photography business actually. Um, through college and I loved the creative side of things and also loved that you could, you know, I, I actually had no idea. I think that growing up thinking aesthetics meant really you had to look frozen or weird or overdone, you know, like, <laughs> well, oh. at that point, that is kind of what it looked like. And that, right. There, there weren't many options yeah. for prevention. Um, and so when I was in California during PA school, the, the, right, there was a med spa on every corner and it just happened that one of the places we had an apartment, they... The, the med spa was, so I had graduated PA school. It was like, congratulations. And literally approached was like, hey, we need a provider. Do you want to, you want to do some training? And I was like, oh, maybe. And I think I learned a lot of what not to do. They, yeah. It was a 
That's the Groupon money factory didn't last there super long. And they... I Did could, you just say Groupon? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was, does, is Groupon still around? Oh, oh yeah. well, it was then. It was... Yeah. Oh, it was I just, use it every time I travel. Still? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. So could you like Groupon like... Yeah. Botox. Groupon your Botox. Get Botox and yeah. lip filler for a and certain amount. The, the the place... Talk about that business... <laughs> I'd never worked at a place actually that had like true mission values, but except for that one. And it was everybody who comes in, you just say yes, say yes, whatever. <laughs> and then I had to leave the room and the, the price vultures would come in and f- make you, these people feel horrible if they didn't do the, whatever mm. the upselling that I, so horrible. And I don't think I would have stayed doing that. That would, that was my baseline of what this medical aesthetics is. Um, but some of the training I really liked, I was like, oh, this is so cool. This is this combination of medicine and art. What else could I do with this? Oh, not really anything except for this. So uh, went to a family practice office that they let me do some aesthetics there, which was awesome because I could keep going with the training in a much better environment Um, in California and New York, kind of the places where all these trends start and then they trickle through the rest of the country. So I felt like at that point was learning good good techniques, good habits, could see how quickly the industry was changing. And I loved that because it initially I just thought I would be bored or I had the same idea of, oh, it's just a side gig or it's just Botox. Uh, so so when we came out here, I was pretty sure I was, I was like, oh, I, I like this. I want to teach this. I want that to, to be something that is what I, you know, I think I can be really good at this. And it felt that was a transition besides for me feeling like, oh, that's not real medicine to I can use my skills with people in a way that's not fighting with insurance companies and because I wasn't getting very satisfied no satisfaction with family practice because it was such a battle you know the hour physical cut down to 15 minutes no matter which you know Ugh. the story we keep hearing over and over and yeah. over again with anybody who is in the medical field mm-hmm. in this room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we feel it as patients mm-hmm. you know it's you barely get to talk to your provider before you know you're prescribed something or told that you're fine and you're kicked out the door. Yeah. And then you go back and check your chart and they type all this stuff that you didn't even talk about. And you're like, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sick system, right? Like it really is that we're fixing, you know, you have, if there's nothing to fix, you find something to fix because that's the only billable you can Mm -hmm. do, you know? And I just did not find the satisfaction in that. Not that that we need people to be doing it. We absolutely do. But Mm -hmm. I wasn't willing to wait that out for the system to come back around when I felt like this could be a, a, a nice, truly meaningful use of, of both sets of skills. So that's, I think, why I was so passionate about making that a part of our business value, the, the, the connection part of it. Do you ever have people come in, they're like, I want to get this done. And you're like, oh, that's a terrible idea. Yes. <laughs> and how do you handle that? What do you say to them? It's been hard. It's been, it's taken a long time because the people pleasing part as like you, you, it is you, it's your, your autonomous, it's your face, it's your money. I just might not be the person to do it for you. And then a lot of times it happens if then they go and get it done and come back around and we have to undo a little bit. Not that that's always what I, you know, the, the, the what I'm saying is the right thing, but I tell a lot of people that this is in aesthetics. If we can do something that's undetectable, you will be happier long-term because we should not be following trends and fads and, um, 
I think we're luckier in this place. I don't think if I'd stayed in California, I would have wanted to keep doing aesthetics because what you see there is the norm is very different. Uh, so I feel I'm grateful we're here for that reason, but I do have to have that conversation actually more often than not. And, and then also a lot of times that that creates a little bit of trust too. It's like, I'm not doing this just to give you, to sell you these syringes. <laughs> Believe mm-hmm. me, I, we could do that because I could show you this picture and say that this is what it would get you. But um, the the lifetime value of some of these small changes over time, you know, I, I think most people who stick with the practice also want that as their, their that's their aesthetic. It matches their goals. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that you also <clears throat> have this feeling because you are an artist that somebody else's face or body is your canvas. Mm-hmm. So when they say, oh, Brie does my lips at Bloom, if they are like crazy lips mm-hmm. that are like protruding <laughs> from somebody's like face, pla- you're like, platypus. I don't want my name on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I just yep. from a personal perspective, I would imagine as an artist that yeah. that is a thing. It is. It is. <laughs> and took a long time to even be able to, to own that too. Yeah. Like there is this balance of being an expert now credentialing a little bit that that you know I can say well, these these other things might make you actually feel better about this if this is what you're self-conscious about um, but that's definitely a process to to get to it doesn't have it did not happen overnight and I also don't ever want people to think I'm just bossing them around so you mm-hmm. know but yes very much so <laughs> well I felt a delicate balance because I went in what was that because we met at your soiree mm-hmm. in Pinehurst and I remember we were out at the patio and uh, village. Um, why can I not think of the name? Village wine. wine yeah. yeah. <laughs> wine shop. Yes. Best I was like village wine. Ah. Um, and I had been meaning to like figure my lips out, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I like leaned down. I was like, Bray, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> can you do something about this? Like my lips are just overfilled and I had been told that maybe they would dissolve a little bit or, um, you know, just over time my body would metabolize some of the filler and that wasn't happening. They had been that way for like a year. And so I was like, I just need to do something about this because it's creating like this different wrinkle now in my lips, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm just sharing this with you <laughs> just out there at the village. Wide shop. <laughs> at a party. Uh-huh. And you were like, yes, I can totally help you. I see what's going on. You like started just looking real quick and, and then I scheduled an appointment and I came in and we ended up doing, uh, we dissolved them mm-hmm. or a lot of the filler mm-hmm. and, um, then I'm going to come back in, in January to kind of figure out where to, to go because my natural lips are really like wrinkly, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is normal, but it, is. it does do something for my confidence just to have like a little plump in there. Mm-hmm. And what I love so much about being there is that you explained everything and you weren't, um, like demeaning to any other injector or anything. Um, it just, you were explaining like what had happened and I found that very valuable because you're right. It does create a lot of trust. And then you said like, let's just do this today, see how you feel over the next few weeks. And then you could decide what it is you want to do. It wasn't like, okay, and then you're going to come back in two weeks and we're going to refill or we're going to do this. It was like, let's see what happens with you because you're a human being and we don't know exactly what's, how this is going to look when it all settles. So let's just wait. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay. This isn't like 
I'm going to sell you a package. And then this is going to be, you know, a thing that you have to come back for and do this and do that. And I just felt like that was such a great experience to have rather than being told, all right, and here's the next few steps that you're going to have to take. And here's how much money you're going to have to spend, Mm -hmm. which for me, I'm like, fine, I know what things cost, Mm -hmm. you know, it's not really about that, but just not being pushed Mm -hmm. for one thing or another was very refreshing. And I really loved that. that. And that's what you learned from (laughs) your first job. From what not to do. From what not Not to do. do. Yeah. Because I have been to other places where I had a consultation and then the person who did the consultation leaves mm-hmm. and this other woman comes in and mm-hmm. I'm like, who the fuck are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Where yeah. did you come from? You know, I have no rapport with you being in sales for most of my life. I'm like, this is a terrible process. Mm-hmm. Okay. Cause I don't know who this person is. Yeah. And I just made a connection with this other person who I trust or don't trust whatever yeah. your experience was with them. But now you're sending in this chump. Like yeah. that's immediately what I think. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, so I hope that went really well. What we can offer you is this, and it's this package and I can get you on the books as soon as next week. When mm-hmm. is a good time? And I'm like, mm-hmm. I know this whole tactic. Mm-hmm. Okay. You just asked me when is a good time? Not if I wanted to schedule. Yeah. And then I yes. have to be the one that's like, well, I'm actually not now I'm put off. Right. Yeah. And even if I had a great consultation, I'm like, I don't like this. Yeah. This does not, this feels slimy to me. So now I'm not even going to schedule it. And I didn't even go back there. Mm-hmm. And occasionally they'll call me or text me. We mm-hmm. haven't seen you in a while. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you haven't. <laughs> and you won't. <laughs> yeah. And there just has to be a connection piece. Mm-hmm. You're not dealing with somebody's I don't know. It's not my bunion. I don't care really no, <laughs> about my right. connection yeah. with the person for my only bunion, fans bunion. My OnlyFans bunion page. <laughs> we should start that. I should look into it and see if that's a, a thing. I, I bet so. <laughs> Just another stream of income. My we bunion. Can, we can pay off some bills. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do care about my aesthetics and my face. And I have to freaking trust you mm-hmm. to put something in my face for sure. Mm. So... It's a just a whole different ball game. Yeah, I felt that way though. That I, makes me happy. Yeah, I'm so nervous. Like so many of my friends get Botox and stuff, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should do that. I'm starting to get wrinkles, but I am like a nervous wreck about it because it it could go so wrong. And because I see people walking around and they're walking, and I'm like, wow, they really had their lips done. Like yeah. some stuff is so noticeable, mm-hmm. and maybe they want it to be that noticeable. Mm-hmm. Because maybe it's well, like a that's status the interesting thing. thing. It's like if you look yeah. at people from California. I grew up in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I was just watching um, Selling Sunset. Mm-hmm. And like their faces, while I think they're beautiful, I'm like, oh, it just like doesn't move. And there's like they have really high cheekbones and their eyebrows are just like stuck in a certain place. And like you're a beautiful woman. But if you continue down this road, what do you look like at 60? Yeah. You know, but I do think that a lot of people out there, that is the status thing. If you have money, that's what you look like. Because they can show that they can afford to have work done. Well, I think it's that, but it's also just like, this is how you quote, take care of yourself too. Mm -hmm. It's just a different standard. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you look around our community, a a lot of people get stuff done, but it's not overdone. Yeah. And it's more noticeable when it's overdone. right. Right. Because yeah. I mean, they look natural, but also we live in a community where people take care of themselves. I don't remember who I was with, but they had a friend come in from out of town and their friend was like, dude, where do you guys live? Like the people around here are like in good shape and Mm -hmm. take care of themselves. And 
we had to explain like, well, this is a special operations community for the most part. And I think that people who are in special operations take care of themselves physically for the most part. And then they attract women (laughs) or men that (laughs) also have the same values. And so we live in this little bubble where (laughs) people are fit. I don't know. But your environment has so much to do with that. If you were in like Beverly Hills or something, yeah, you'd be doing a lot of stuff that you probably felt was really contrary to your values. Yep. Which is great. And kind of I was speaking to that. I'm glad we're here and not there. But it's interesting here too. This is so many people that come in first time. It's scared for a reason. Like you were talking about, Sarah. Like I don't want to look different. I'm not mad about what's happening. Mm-hmm. I think aging is a privilege. The alternative is not great. So we have to be okay with it. <laughs> yes. yes. So I agree. That, you know, there's that part too, that there's nothing wrong with not doing anything. But for somebody who does take care of themselves physically and is taking care of themselves mentally, there's a lot that's kind of unfair with the things that happen and show up on our faces and as women that make the perception, you're more serious. Why are you so mad? And it's Mm. like, I'm not mad. This is my resting face, right? (laughs) Or Right. So there's actually really interesting studies on those glabella, those frown lines, Uh everybody, that is... When even when if they were not talking about anybody else's perception, just this self-rated scale of if, if, if emotional improvement from looking in the mirror before and after getting those just those angry lines treated, it went up just as much, if not more, with no side effects compared to antidepressants. And I was like, <clears throat> oh, that's incredible because we see that or I get to see that on the side of you know, especially if you're changing something that's subtle or just enhancing something or preventing something when you have it in that mindset, it just gets, it's like the way that I've seen people change the way they feel about themselves over the years of doing these treatments. Um, even if it's just minimal, it's so cool. And Mm -hmm. I think we have women and men. And so a lot of times the stigma, it's all, every man I've ever seen has come from a woman's referral, a significant other, or actually some, some, uh, a guy more recently was like, I just, this, this, I noticed this work colleague, she was just looking happier. <laughs> she, I don't know if she really was happier, but I asked her and she was like, yeah, I've been getting Botox. And he was like, well, I, I might need a little bit of that too. <laughs> and he was like, she didn't look weird. She wasn't looking different. She just looked better, happier. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, cool. It's yeah. the subtle changes. Mm-hmm. Do you do treatments and stuff that help with like dark spots and things like yeah. that? Yeah. So laser, sun damage. Laser. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So that point being, if you're taking care of other parts of yourself, sometimes we need a little bit of help or you right. can do things to help the rest of your affect come off that same way. Healthy, mm-hmm. vibrant, refreshed, all those things. So. It makes sense. Yeah. It makes total sense. What's been the most rewarding um, work you've done? Like, have you helped people that have had you know, major facial issues or something. The corrective stuff. Yeah. So cool. I wish more of the cosmetic uh, treatments were covered by insurance. So sometimes you can get burn scars covered rarely. Sometimes, you know, you can, you know, therapeutic Botox for migraines and stuff. But for the most part, it's elective and it's cash-based. So I think I, unless someone really is referred to me they think there's nothing they can do about it. So the awareness, bringing less, you know, stigma or more awareness to the idea of you can really fix a lot of, so a stroke or a Bell's palsy patient, those have been, it was so incredible to have that treatment bring back this one lady that I'm thinking of. She was like, just, I just really liked walking to the grocery store and people not staring at me Mm. because I looked more symmetric and I wasn't 
you know, and when I smiled, a lot of times you get this over contraction of the side of the face that's unaffected and it can really make things look, you know, different and that creates attention. And so that's been so neat to be able to do as my career has progressed and knowing that I'm not going to make anything worse, you know, like mm-hmm. I've really loved that. Um, and then I think the, the, the things that really make people self-conscious when I have somebody think about it for a long time and come in and we make a plan and then, um, you know, or after a, a big life change or something like that's uh, disruptive. I have a lot of women come in and they're like, here's my entire bank account. I need to feel better. And I was like, no, no. You need more than what I can do. And when you are in a better place, come back and let's talk about it. And then hearing that process. So I have two ladies who are going through crazy life circumstances with loss. And then, and we had that encounter. We didn't do a darn thing. And then they come back and we can kind of pick apart what we might be able to do or what I think could be helpful. Then when we do it, it turns out really is. And there's that confidence change and it's really satisfying. That's great that you do that because some people would just be like, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and do it mm-hmm. if it makes you feel better. So that work. would be something that would like keep me awake at night, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're you a know? therapist as well. Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting thing with grief. I've seen that a lot with women who are grieving that they immediately want to change some of their appearance. Mm-hmm. It's something they can control. It happens with yeah. hair all the time. Uh-huh. Right? Or cra- yeah. Yeah. What's that saying about your hair? Like cut your hair, change your life or something like yeah. that. <laughs> I don't know. It is a thing though. I yeah. wonder what that is like psychologically. It's probably something like you said that. Yeah. They've just lost control. so much control out of in their life. It's something that they can do yeah. for control that mm-hmm. they think will also make them feel better. Which is a hard screening process for mm-hmm. you. A lot. Of, yeah. A lot of it comes no down pressure. to truly body dysmorphia and things that someone might not even realize they're in that. So there's been a lot of training that is now focusing on that. And I'm so thankful about it in this industry that if someone is in an injector and treating somebody who's 17, 18, 19 years old, what does that look like in 20 years? And who's really responsible for that? Is it the young person who's sitting in the chair asking for this? Or is it the person who's actually doing those treatments? And so I'm really, I'm thankful for that. Just Mm. like you said, social media is, it's creating, I think, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how that, you know, where I'm saying it's, I actually said earlier, I don't think it's too young to start, but in a way, use some retinol and use your sunscreen (laughs) and let's help you do that for a while. And then, you know, do you make husbands come in sometimes if a wife is like, (laughs) my husband says, I really need this. Are you like, "Hmm, Oh, that's an interesting, you know, maybe we've screened that. I've had that happen a few times, but I don't think we've even ended up proceeding with treatment. So that's a good, probably if I heard that, that would be what these kind of like red flag things that pop up. Yeah. Um, Cause we're the opposite. I'm like, my husband's like, I love the way you look as you get older. I'm like, thanks, but I hate these lines around my lips. And yeah. he's like, well, if you're concerned about them and you mm-hmm. want to do something mm-hmm. about it, do it. He's like, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I know it can go the other way too. We're, Right. Yeah. Where no, spouses are, yeah. some men are like, oh, I like this thing. And mm-hmm. they have quite some influence. Mm-hmm. I've heard that a lot with like plastic surgery consults and things like that. Not as much sitting in my toe, which is interesting. I wonder if it's the the relationship. I don't know. I wonder wh- why that is. I haven't seen a ton of it. But with a few of my friends, like anecdotally knowing that happened. Oh, yeah. I went like three sizes bigger with my breast implant than I would have because my husband wanted it. Like, yeah. I've oh. heard that too. Yeah. It's unfortunate. 
Mm. Yep. But there is a lot of influence in the way that we look. Whether, I mean, who's to say that's worse or better than who you follow on social media? Mm-hmm. Except that you live with your husband every single day and have to deal with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess yeah. that would make it worse. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything else that you, and we can edit this out, but yeah. um, mm-hmm. that you want to talk about that we didn't talk about? No, I just. Are you sharp? <laughs> I think just the, like, No. Just, it's awesome. I don't even know that I was that focused on any of it. Just like that the leadership part, that it's okay for it to grow and be growing and changing. And, you know, I think we did hit on that. You did mention um, kind of your values and where you see every, where you see your business going. And that you're trying to paint that picture for your staff and Mm -hmm. balance them knowing that they're doing a good job, but you also have these ideas. What are some of those things that you, your goals and things that you want to see happen that haven't happened yet? That you've shared with them if you want to share it <laughs> yeah I I love the idea of us you know the assuming positive intent and doing things that we will all give ourselves like I said for me if I if that was our if, if they weren't seeing me model that and being so hard on ourselves you know and instead of taking a step back and, and really valuing those positive steps that have been made um, how do I expect them to be doing that you know so I think looking at where we've been in, in a more positive light than negative, which is hard to do when we're perfectionists. And like I said, when we have a team that's driven as well, I think that creates a, a good pushing, you know, mentality, but I just want, I think going forward, I want to make sure I'm doing a better job setting really, this is what success looks like and it's, and it's measurable. And that's, you can't do that within the first year. There's nothing to measure, you know, right. <laughs> So it's well, you really... might think you know what you're going to measure and then you're like, oh, wait, that shit kind of doesn't even matter. Yeah. So you have to figure out like KPIs, key performance indicators. Yep. What does that look like for each position? How do we know when it's met mm-hmm. and then when to scrap what? Because actually that doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like they're doing that thing. But does it have an impact on the overall business or the culture? Yeah. You know? Well, and the other thing too, I mean, I don't know if we didn't really touch on this, but the most powerful thing I think I learned this again this last six months that I was really doing that for it was somebody shared with me that your business really is like your ecosystem and then the only person that's responsible for the people in that ecosystem is you as the owner and if you're not happy with that ecosystem it's because the people that you've let in and are keeping in or have chosen not to let in aren't supporting the the, the, the values. So it was, it was the analogy was, you know, you've got, you've, you spend all this money putting a pool in your backyard and then you invite these people over and you're going to have the, what are those people doing? Are they telling you it's great? Are they helping you finish the cleaning up of the side of it? Or are they saying that, why didn't you put lights in and why isn't it bigger? Mm. And I was I, like, that hit me like a ton of bricks when I was at this conference hearing that being shared, because I was like, oh, I wanted, I thought you just open it to everybody because that's how you serve everybody is you open it up and then you give everybody food and drinks and do what you can to make them happy. And as the business owner, like that really can't be our job because you, that is a fallacy. The people pleasing idea isn't real. You can set things that are standards that people can rise to, but you can also cultivate who those people are that are invited to the pool. And I was like, Oh, that's really hard to hear. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I've, Learn that the hard way. It's better just not to offer something than to offer it either mediocre or that kind of goes against your values or 
um, is not done the way that meets the standards of your business. It's better just not to do it at all. Yeah. (laughs) Which is hard though, too, with the big idea that it's sad. But then I was also interesting for my staff. I was like, this can also portray into who we want in the business ecosystem as clients. Like as hard as that is. Ooh, that's really hard too. <laughs> yep. like, mm-hmm. Who believes in that, what we are creating or that, that relationship focus. There are people that don't, and that is okay. And it is okay that they might not be the best fit because it ultimately it's affecting how everyone else's day is going in that practice or in mm-hmm. the business. So those just letting my team know that that's kind of where we're okay with, go- as long as we're all on the same page with that, then we're okay moving that direction. Um, that's That's been exciting to kind of think about at this year end and where we're moving forward that's what we discussed a lot in that hiring and firing like you're not a great fit for here but you're doing them a disservice by keeping them there as well and that's one of the hardest things to do as a business owner is to fire people mm-hmm. um and even clients like, i was gonna say and also and, the yeah the people you serve the people you serve that's one of the hardest conversations that i have to have with some people i don't think we're the right fit for you mm-hmm. we will never be able to provide what you're looking for mm-hmm. i'm sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe check out these other places yeah. right so it's not doing them it's not doing the student it's not doing the staff, myself, anybody a service by, you know, providing something that's not meeting their expectations. So mm-hmm. sure. Or your yeah. values right? as a business. If this is inhibiting us from being able to provide the experience that we say we will provide, then this is not, it's, it's not good for anybody mm-hmm. in the mix. And I real quick want to talk about the whole growth thing. Because I do, I mean, it's a huge value for me personally, but also it's one of our values in, at the school. And this past Friday, Phil, and I do a video every Friday where I kind of fill in the team on what's going on in the office, kind of behind the scenes. So they're kind of in the loop mm-hmm. as to what we're doing um, and announce any events or anything like that. Um, but I always have kind of an attendance question for them to answer, making sure that they watched it. (laughs) And so this week it was, you know, choose one of our company values and talk about how you live it in your role every day. And more people than not have chosen growth. Mm -hmm. And it's because it is, it has become just part of an expectation that does not have an end goal. Mm-hmm. So it's not about measuring the success of it. It's about feeling the progress as you're on this journey. So it's not saying, oh, you have to meet this end goal of this certification or this thing that could be mm-hmm. part of it, but it's feeling progress. And, oh, I tried this new thing that I learned from this other teacher and it worked really, really well. I'm going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I saw this book in the break room and I picked it up and I read it and I learned all these new things and then I shared them with my assistant. It's feeling the progress and just taking those little bits and pieces along the way to make you better as a woman, as a teacher, as a mom, as a spouse, and just feeling those little glimmers along the way. It doesn't have to be some big thing or that we're not good enough with where we're at. Mm -hmm. It's having the accountability mixed with the appreciation and the praise and the celebration and knowing that on the journey of life, we're constantly progressing in something and that should be the expectation. Mm -hmm. And I was really surprised that so many people chose growth because- Is it personal growth or um, school growth? 
same same yeah, yeah. exactly that's the question yeah, you asked so me the other day when we were talking about stuff it's exact it's two in one it's yeah and it can look so different you know when we talk about business growth mm-hmm. so many people think it's only financial yep. and oh I don't want to grow or I can't grow or all these things no growth could be oh we came up with this new system for this thing and now it's working more efficiently and now I get off at this time to go pick up my kid from school mm-hmm. yeah that's growth Right. And that leads to retention. Those people, that is such a cool description of how you've then chosen. Those are the right people for the right place and the right, like if they're choosing those things, it benefits the business and them and mm-hmm. you. And I'm all about like, and we say this right off the bat, when we hire you, we are not just hiring just a person, a body to be here. I want you to, in general, love coming here. I want you to feel supported and connected with. And like you are valued for being just a, simply a human being with kids and a spouse and usually deployments and sick kids or going home to see your family for Christmas or all these things. I want you to feel successful as a human. And that means growing personally and professionally, which means I want to know what's going on in your life. I want to connect with you. I want to hear about all of these things. And that's really important that I think has gotten a little bit lost. And it, it, the pendulum, I think, is swinging back mm-hmm. as a work culture, almost to the other side a little bit where they're like, I want pet insurance and mm-hmm. want these things. And we're like, okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Let's bring it back to this middle ground, it's right? like that movie, The Intern, where they're like catering to every single want and need, need of yeah. every employee. And you're like, no. And yeah. there's like slides in the workplace yes, and nap true. pods. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, this is ridiculous. Right. We can't, <laughs> we can't let the pendulum swing all the way yeah. that way. But human <laughs> connection really, really matters. Yeah. And that I think is the most important thing with growth because we didn't hire a bunch of entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. or they wouldn't still be teachers. Mm -hmm. They'd be owning their own businesses, Mm -hmm. you know, but they feel so much happier and so much more, um, just valued, I think from themselves when they are progressing in those little things. And it's just little things. They Mm -hmm. aren't, they aren't like, Oh, I, you know, I lost 50 pounds and I, you know, feel great now. And I, whatever it's, it's little things Mm -hmm. like I mentioned. And I think that is the important thing to remind our staff is when we talk about growth, we're not saying like, Oh, we have to be in this place Mm -hmm. because this place isn't good enough. It's about those little baby steps along the way that just bring us that little bit of happiness and and progress in our lives. Yeah. And that's what feels finally this year, you know, like I caught myself downstairs saying the busy season, eh, that's not, that's not real either. Just like balance isn't really real either. Yeah. Like, let's just take a moment to be thankful for what we have done, what we have learned, because you don't learn if you're not being challenged and making mistakes. So that it's a, it, that's a great place to be compared to where we were at last December. So. Mm-hmm. The busy, the non-busy season is my catch-up season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, I like when's, that. Your, when's your not busy season? Oh, I don't <laughs> really have one. I guess kind of January. A little downtime. A little downtime, mm-hmm. but that, that's what I'm saying. That's my catch-up season. That's when I start planning. Yeah. So it's still busy. It's still busy. It's my planning season, if you will, not necessarily busy for everybody just me to then plan like summer and fall and all the details Mm -hmm. for all those things and I do think there's a lot of power in that language too because as we keep saying busy Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of societal pressure to be busy and that busy is rewarded yeah and Mm -hmm. I think that it's not about being busy it's about being intentionally (laughs) productive yeah 
Yeah. And maybe not even productive. I think there's a lot of societal pressure to be productive and to produce. Mm -hmm. I feel it. I am naturally view the world that way. (laughs) Or the definition of what's productive because spending time with your kids playing outside is productive. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's about intentionally where you spend your energy. Mm -hmm. That's when I like whittle it down to specifics, right? It's not about being busy because that's everybody could be busy. Yeah. And the idea of like abundant, that's what I was, abundance over busy. There's this book, uh, Andrew Mellon is like a organizer. He's got some, I think his tagline is the most organized man in America. And whether or not he is, I, this book came through on (laughs) Audible. (laughs) Yeah. And his title is calling bullshit on busy. And it Mm, it actually is about time blocking and how we all have these lies we tell ourselves about time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've done that my entire life. Mm -hmm. Like I'm too busy to do that. No, I'm I'm too busy because I'm choosing something else. Mm-hmm. So so just wrapping your mind around that, and this is probably the first time in my life in my 30s, like being able to be okay with that. So, uh, you know, what, like you said, you have to give up something else. You have to be okay with giving up something if you're choosing something. Yeah, it's and a then, trade-off. Um, but it's good so far. I like the book. It's been helpful. I'll have to mm-hmm. look into it. I say we. <laughs> Somehow, this is a we decision. I'll it have is. to look into it. No, we can. <laughs> we can do it together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a really interesting time. The screen time mm-hmm. reminder every Sunday is a good one. Mm. Tells you how much your average screen time was this past week. I, I don't, don't know if that I pops up on it. your phone. Well, no, and you want to dive into it. that, go look and see where you spend your time mm-hmm. on your phone. Okay. Yep. That's a real eye opener. Yeah. Yep. That's a good one. <laughs> like, oh, so that means every day I had four additional hours I could have done. Right. Yeah. But this, this, all this, of these this. are choices. Yeah. Like yeah. you were saying, it's choosing to do that. Yeah. Right. And knowing what your limit is. Okay. You want to be on Instagram. Great. Set a time limit on there. And then it pops up like you've reached your time limit. And then you have to click. Okay. Not give me 15 more minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you have to have yeah. some discipline with that. So I have a funny story before we finish up. So yesterday we're driving in the car and we're on the way home from the beach and it's only two hours. And my daughter's like, I'm bored. And I was like, yep, it's okay to be bored sometimes. It's a good thing to be bored sometimes. And Austin goes, yeah, but nobody likes being bored. Hmm. And I was like, well, maybe some people do. He goes, actually, no, dad likes being bored. (laughs) I wonder why he said that. And Ethan, both of them like to be bored. They just like to sit around sometimes. And I was like, we all need to learn to sit around sometimes. But it was just so funny because he saw just sitting around as being bored, but it's like, you, you can be bored. You need yeah. to take time to be bored, mm-hmm. to think <laughs> out of the mouth of babes. Huh? Of they the just tell it like it is. Yeah. But it was so funny. Yeah. And Sam was like, well, I don't like it, but what's funny is she's the one that sits around more than anybody. <laughs> and is like, I need a drink. Snap, snap. Bring me this. <laughs> Such a princess. Such, I was going to say, yeah, just a little princess. And she gets it. So, okay. So tell us um, your Instagram handle, your um, website, all those things so everybody can find you. So hello bloom underscore NC and bloom for you NC.com is our website. Okay. And we would let, we are taking new patients for 2024, which is great. Just speaking that into existence because we're mm-hmm. getting all of our systems in place and uh, organized growth, which is, feels really good. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. And you guys are in the theater building. Yeah. In Pinehurst. Pinehurst right downtown above Pinehurst, Lisi just... and next door to Lisi. So come in during lunchtime so you can go to the market because it's so good. So good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ooh. 
Yeah, you have to say it's so good. Oh, you should. Oh, it smells so good. Yeah. And if your appointment's at four, when you open the door to leave, it smells like Lisi downstairs, which is great Italian. Uh, so good. Yeah. I love it's Italian so food. And they have that new little like bar area mm-hmm. open in there, yes. which is Auggies. super cute. Mm. Yeah. Is there food I can eat there? I'm unsure of that. Okay. We're going to need to do some Glu- research. Gluten? What? Yeah. Okay. So the, the best roasted almonds with rosemary and salt. Do you have nut allergy or can you do no. that? Oh, they're so good. Like Ooh. that. Mm-hmm. Okay, I would have never snack. thought. Let me go to the Italian place and get some almonds. <laughs> it's just at the little, at that Augie's place, and they're amazing. We just had them on Friday, and I was like, oh, they just they like smoke them with uh-huh. the rosemary. Oh, mm. so good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, date night. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So yeah, much. thanks yeah. for coming. Thank you guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye.